1: are on top of the world. The reigning European champions travel to the United Arab Emirates as the favorites to lift the Club World Cup and are still very much alive in the Champions League and FA Cup. And look for a luck for a top four finish in the Premier League. That's not to say, though, everything has come up roses for Thomas Tuchel in his first full season in charge. And I'm joined by James Bench, our very own James Bench, and a returning pal of ours, Alison Bender, to take stock of the blues. Giggle Lasso begins right now. Welcome, everybody, to Giggle Lasso. Thank you so much for being part of the family. Ali Bender, how are you?
2: Hey, I'm great, thanks. Yeah, really, really good. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. I'm so happy that you're here. And of course, joining us, our very own James Bench. How are you, Jimbo?
3: I am. I'm fantastic. I'm I'm really good. Because literally, as we speak right now, I've just got my email. I was really late, but my email that I'll be at Villa Park tomorrow night.
1: Oh, than, uh, baby. Exactly yes, James Bench. I want all the videos. I want all the footage. I want you to be hugging Emiliano Wendia by the end of the day. Yes, James Bench. I love it. Are you excited or what? Wait. Is this
3: your first time at Villa Park? Uh, no, but it's my first time since post-COVID. Uh, and i had been a few times just as a member of the public, but I uh, haven't been... Since we got back to sort of normality. So right. I'm really looking forward to it because, you know, pre COVID, Villa was a completely different club. Um but it should be fun. Yeah. Some Coutinho, some Emmy Martinez, and and some and fun at the other end with Rafinha as well. Be a good game.
1: Yeah, I forget Rafinha. It's all about the Villa, baby. I love it. I love it. But welcome, James Bench, Alison Bender. Good to have you on the show. By the way, today is about Chelsea and the State of the Union ahead of the Club World Cup, but also we're looking. Uh, about the journey that Thomas Toole has had in his first full season in charge with the Blues, the sophomore slump, maybe. I don't know. Some may say that. uh, But before we begin, Ali Bender, uh, I was talking to our producer, Des Norris and James Bench, about a very funny story, how I was tweeting about Eminem when uh, my name came out, when he first came out. And, you know, I was at Union London. Nobody knew about him, obviously, not that many people. And I went to a concert, There's like 10 people there, And then Ali Bender messages me saying, you know what, Louise? I think I was there too. (laughs) You're a huge hip-hop head.
2: Yeah, I absolutely love hip-hop. And I remember it really well because, like you say, it was like such a small room of people. And I managed to get myself to the front, which wasn't that difficult. And Eminem actually like spat. He like filled his mouth with vodka and spat it in my face. Which sounds pretty gross, but at the time I was so thrilled. I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to ever watch. Um, I'm a massive fan and just hip hop in general, like 90s hip hop. I used to be a break dancer, believe it or not. So um, I've got a really soft spot for hip hop and that kind of era as well. Ali
1: Bender, that's why you're awesome. I love it so much. James, man, you're a hip hop head too, right? You have a a very deep music uh, genre taste as well, don't you?
3: Yeah. So I've been kind of growing more and more passionate and into hip-hop but I mean probably kind of when I was the, the age you guys were describing I was a shy indie kid hard to believe now shy indie kid, uh you know listening to the long blondes and and bands like that you know oh, desperately wow. alternative I mean still with the glasses that arguably I don't need and uh <laughs> and things like that but uh but yeah you know I mean Kendrick Kanye for me these guys are maybe not Eminem though I feel like I was I missed the moment when he was it and kind of now he's maybe like a bit heritage rock act sort of thing so but yeah yeah Yeah. absolutely
1: well we're talking about 99 2000 around that time when emily's toaster unbelievable but you know what though from eminem in the 90s to chelsea in the 90s uh and how far they have come since then ali bender today is all about the chelsea before we get into it um you did just have an interview with uh, a very special Former Chelsea captain.
2: Yeah, it was awesome. I just, uh, I just spent like half an hour in the company of John Terry, which so having spent a decade at Chelsea TV and interviewed him to the point where I was kind of bored of interviewing him, which is a really terrible thing to say, I know. But it got to the fact where you're like, can I just interview someone else? Like, because we say the same old things and whatever. Um, But this felt so special because it's been such a long time. And we were able to kind of take a step back and kind of reflect on it. And it actually got pretty emotional. And at one point during the interview, and this has never happened in my life, of interviewing like a thousand plus footballers, um, he starts welling up. I start welling up. I'm practically crying and then he's almost crying. And I was just like, whoa, this is big. But we had, we covered some pretty big topics. I was like, listen, John, I don't want any cliches. We've been, we've known each other a long time. Let's get straight into it. There's some great stuff in there. My goodness. If you're a Chelsea fan, you've got to be following me on social media. um, At Ellie Bender TV, plug. But some of the lines he came out with, you are going to love them. I'm telling you Declan Rice at Chelsea. Ah, <gasps> oh, What can I say? There's some exciting wow. stuff coming. I mean, yeah, it's, it's good. I'm excited. Bench. Yeah. Go ahead, Bench.
3: Yeah. You brought West Ham and, and Chelsea into the chat there, which uh, I mean, uh, Declan Rice, by the way, what a signing he would be for Chelsea. And it's so funny. You know, I was talking to some people at Stamford bridge on, um, on Saturday and everyone talks about Declan Rice. And they were saying, you know, look as Chelsea reporters, the, the, the player that Chelsea fans are most interested in more than half the players at their own club is Declan Rice they just dream <laughs> of having him back
2: <laughs> every time he comes the pa- the the, uh, the cameras are always panning on him do you know what I think it was a really good thing for him to go away and to be rejected by Chelsea and to you know what he's done at West Ham is just phenomenal yeah. and he's just a great player I love interviewing him because he's fun like you know you just saw his goal celebration the other day he doesn't take himself too seriously he's going to work on that playing. one though Ali You've got to work it. on that You know what? These are the players that perform well, the players that don't have the weight of the world on their shoulders. They are enjoying their football. They play the way they play when they were six years old. And him and Mace together, like we know they're best friends. Like everyone knows that's no secret. Of course, West Ham are going to want to hold on to him. Of course, you would. He's your best player. I get that. But I would love, I mean, I've called in the past Lukaku the missing piece in the puzzle. But actually, I would say scratch that. Declan Rice would be and is. Hopefully, the missing piece in our puzzle.
3: I mean, there's a very funny moment in David Moyes' uh, press conference—was it this morning or yes, uh, yesterday—where someone says to him, "Is Declan Rice a million, a hundred million pound player?" And he just goes, um, "The longest pause ever." And just I goes, "I saw that. Yeah.
2: It was so <laughs> to
1: think about it. I think he wanted to raise the price. I mean, Declan exactly. Rice, of course, would be.
3: <laughs> I think he's probably thinking, "Is he a two hundred million pound player?" Right. But exactly. As we're talking West Ham and and former Chelsea defenders, um, we probably do need to address the really horrible um d- disgusting um scenes that we saw on on social media from from Kurt Zuma um you know yeah, yeah staggering and I think it really kind of I, d- I don't know how you guys reacted I'm a I've got two well my mum has two cats that are. you know are, are, they are the thing that unites our family it's really horrible to see
2: it was it was so disgusting. And do you know what was most upsetting? So I woke up, I always like go straight social media, it's what I do. And I kept seeing like cat throwing, cat kicking, trending. And I was just like, oh God, which footballer is messed up now? Or I was like, who is it? Who is it? And I just couldn't believe that it's a footballer I know personally, a footballer I like, I respect, someone who I would always describe as a bit of a gentle giant. Like I literally as I spoke to John Terry about it today and he said, like, it's so out of character. But not only that, the fact that he thought it was a good idea to upload it himself and laugh about it. That's what
1: worries me a bit.
2: I just, it it baffles me. And like, I mean, you know, we've, we've, we've got everything going on with, with Mason Greenwood. We've got so much going on right now. And I just feel like there's not enough people within football clubs and within football actually to take some of these young players and to kind of like a, almost like an in-house club psychologist that they can talk to. That's not the manager. That's not even connected to the club to, to educate them. I mean, I know it's, obvious like this is like how you should just behave in life but these guys they they are, are idols and they are respected by everyone and it just it can put you in a foul mood because you want to love this player but how can any fan of West Ham treat him right after that right?
1: Yeah that's a really good point about having somebody in the club that can help these young players with issues that have nothing to do with the game it's uh, sometimes we forget that as you mentioned, idols, superstars, they're in their 20s. Like, I'm not excusing what he did. I mean, I already shared it on Twitter. I think cruelty to animals is an absolute disgrace. It's inhumane. I think it tells you a lot about a person's lack of empathy. I think Kurt Zuma needs to... Answer a lot. It worries me that there was a child witnessing this. The oh. psychological impact that it has on him. I feel that Kurtzuma, uh, you know, aside from being disciplined and the adequate punishment, he should be working with animal shelters as well to understand just how much. I, I just I look. I'm not a capper. Animal cruelty is the worst thing, and I hate it. And it tells you a lot about a person. And to yeah. your point, you I think the psychological is, thing could help The
2: thing that worries me actually, and I think it's you know. A lot of people in the UK particularly are really passionate about cats. Like, you Correct. know, we are a nation of cat lovers. Yeah. And my worry is like that when, when, you know, for example, if he was going to play, like the emotions are so heightened, I wouldn't be surprised if someone tried to throw something at him on the pitch and put his own life in danger. Right. I think that if you were the club right now, you'd be dropping him, not because of because it's the right thing to do, but actually for fear of his safety as well, because That's people get so there. angry and they can't help themselves. Emotions boil. But what is the correct punishment? Should this player give up his livelihood? Like, should he not play football? I mean, it's hard to know what is the correct punishment for something like this. And we don't have we don't really have much experience so far. So it's a, it's a really tricky one. It's be interesting to see how West Ham deal with this. Right.
1: Yeah, we will see how this develops uh, as well, not just Katsuma, but West Ham, of course, and how the situation unfolds as the Premier League returns as well. But moving on, as we mentioned, this is the Chelsea State of the Union. The Premier League does return, but Chelsea are taking care right now of the Club World Cup, which uh, obviously has already kicked off. And on Wednesday, we are taping this before that, on Wednesday, Al-Halao against Chelsea. Before we get into Chelsea's situation in the Club World Cup and how what this could mean for them from a global perspective, from Ali's standpoint, James Bench, obviously, uh, you've done a nice little preview as well for us at CBS Sports, uh, a little bit more research on Al Hilal. What can Chelsea expect uh, on Wednesday as they open up Club World Cup?
3: So, I mean, al are a, an interesting team, an ambitious team, um, one that's willing to spend to get superstar talent at this at their club, um, and we know that there was um, interest, say, in, in Pierre Emerick Aubameyang in January, although they never made the offer. But but this is a, a team with a lot of talented attacking footballers. I think, particularly um, on offense, you know, that there are players here that could test Chelsea and that have tested them before you know one of the standout names Mateus Pereira who had a fantastic game against them last season in West Bromshire I know he's not done great so far at, at Al-Hilal another one to look out for Odia Nigallo, um, who we all know from Manchester United days he just made his debut in the previous round where they um, beat Al Jazeera 6-1 the highest high the highest score in the club world cup and you kind of have to remember that, that we do see a lot of matches between minnows and, and bigger teams. So it's quite impressive that they ran up so many goals. So from their perspective from Chelsea's perspective, and we've seen them look a bit defensively shaky compared to where they were a year ago, that there are players there to worry them. And I know you wouldn't let me finish this point without mentioning Andre Carrillo as well. Real pace and energy <laughs> down the uh, down the right flank, I would assume, for Al Hilal, which is
1: yeah.
3: where Uh, Chelsea may well be a bit vulnerable, whether it's Malang Sarr playing there or or Marcus Alonso. They're not as strong defensively as as they were maybe a few months ago, are they, Ali?
2: No, absolutely not. Only, you know, when Tuchel first came in, I was just... I was just so impressed with how he he changed our defence. I spoke about it with John Terry today and it was just, it felt like it was overnight. Um, but things definitely haven't looked so good. I mean, against Plymouth in the FA Cup, we went back to a back four. But I definitely prefer the back three scenario and I think that that's what we'll see sort of going forwards. And the good thing is, I mean, I suppose we've got a lot more of our players back now. Um, I think, you know, um, Ben Chilwell, obviously, is the, the sort of the long-term absentee. But um, but yeah, a lot more of our our players kind of can play. Um, I was just taking notes by the way on Al-Hilal because there's a team I don't know so much about so thanks for that I <laughs> uh I got all your notes down exactly. but no I'm looking forward to this one I mean it's one of those games isn't it it's classic if we win it we'll go and talk about it being the best trophy around and how it's all about momentum and how important it is and if we if we don't win we don't beat Al-Hilal then we'll just say well we've got other things to focus on so we don't need to worry so it's a kind of I feel like we've got nothing to lose in this situation
1: in a way, I think so. And I think it should be very important for Tujo, and I'm sure he does this, he's, he's a smarter man than I am, to not underestimate Al-Helal because, you know, not only do they have all those players that James Bench was talking about, but that this kind of uh, team in that kind of area in the world is getting better, is getting more accustomed to the professional aspect when you play outside teams from, you know, that region, from the Middle East. So it's going to be a really interesting thing uh, for Chelsea and Thomas Tujo, to do. All right. So let's assess Thomas Tuchel's second season, his first full season. Uh, the sophomore seasons are never that easy, especially under Roman Abramovich. Only Joseph Mourinho has actually prospered in his second season. So, Ali Bender, let's focus a little bit on the season ahead from a general perspective. I mean, it was quiet in January. Uh, Mm -hmm. despite some injuries, some contract distractions, right? Antonio Rudiger, we don't know yet. Christensen, Cueta. Talk to me about Chelsea so far, right now, as we begin February.
2: Yeah, you're right, and it's like it's all these defenders as well. I mean, that back line's just been so important for us and our captain. I mean, it's amazing to think that Pilaquet has been there for so long and he's such an important part of the club and yet there's all that kind of distraction. I think the Lukaku thing's the one that's upsetting me the most because, you know, I, I was there at his open training session when he came to Stamford Bridge. I was so excited having seen him at Inter Milan and, and seeing the player that I thought he was going to be. I was also frustrated having gone to so many Chelsea games and just seeing, you know, Timo Werner as much as he tried You know, the number of times he's offside, the number of times he fluffs his lines, just you know, and even Kai Havertz wasn't gelling. I know he'd had COVID and all the rest of it. So for me, I had put Lukaku on a pedestal. I have to admit, I did think that he was the answer, and it is exactly what we needed. And so the fact well, there's just so much, isn't there? There was the interview that he did. I was willing to forgive him for that, to be honest with you, because being a journalist myself, I know exactly how it is when you go to another country and they're, oh, you didn't get a chance to say goodbye to the Inter fans. And, you know, you you kind of want to sort of put put your heart on your sleeve a bit. Um, but the way that he's been playing and that kind of, that petulance, that, that kind of young petulance just seems to kind of... I don't know. Um, and I think that Tuchel has handled, handled things reasonably well because, you know, I always heard that he was a difficult manager and he he seems to be very level-headed. I don't know if you mm. agree, James, but like we haven't seen, I certainly haven't seen the hairdryer treatment of you so far from Tuchel.
3: No, no in many ways, I, I found the Lukaku incident quite fascinating in terms of giving us an insight into the, the influence and the the power that, that Tuchel has that maybe other head coaches haven't. I mean, we always thought of this as a really political dressing room, a dressing room where the players carried all the power. And then with Romelu Lukaku, it is, he is quite swiftly slapped down. And we know that's not just from, from Thomas Tuchel and that he'd spoken to Marina Granovskaya before anything happened. But it was really clear that it was, you know, the sort of the the bad behaviour, the angling for a move... It just wasn't tolerated. And I, I felt he dealt with this remarkably effectively. Um, you know, the one game out, trying to doing his best to cool the conversation around him and then getting him back in the team. The challenge now is... I don't think we're necessarily talking about the interview so much as we're talking about a player who who isn't playing well at all.
1: Yeah, that's where I was going, it. James. That's where I was going. I wanted to see because I do agree. I think Tuhul did handle that correctly. But jumping back to you, James, and then Ali chime in. Lukaku, OK, the interview, a careless situation. Let's move on. On the pitch, it's not looking like it's working out, does it, James
3: Bench? So Chelsea seem to want to play him as a or I, Chelsea players seem to gravitate towards playing with him as a target man which he can do I mean he did not do it well against Plymouth at all but yeah. you know if he's going to struggle against anyone league one center backs they can give him a fight in the air um True. he is we, we've seen him at his best it's in broken play running with the ball drifting out wide and attacking for whatever reason, Chelsea haven't been able to do that. I think partly it's because they are used to having a lot of possession. They're used to being a team that occupies that that you know mostly they play in your half of the pitch. So there isn't the space, there aren't the opportunities to break. Equally, <laughs> you spend a hundred million pounds on a on a twenty eight year old. I, I don't really. I, you have to be able to adapt, and Lukaku does have the the qualities to play as a target man.
2: Do you yeah. think there's a bit of a lack of a lack of willingness as well? Because it's like, you know, I can understand how he, he's not playing well right now and he must know that something's up. And he's spoken about the fact that we don't play to his strengths and we don't play in, in his system, what have you. But there also seems to be a lack of effort for me, um, which, you know, I, I wouldn't care if, you know, I can see him running his socks off and really trying, but it's almost like, well, if you're not going to play the way that I want you to, then I can't be bothered type of thing. I mean, it, it feels a little bit like that.
3: I'm sure you saw it at the Plymouth game, arms are in the air a lot. It, 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 this, is, this is what you can do when you're scoring 40 goals a season. You can get angry about the lack of service. But people are crossing the ball into the box. and yeah. You know, you're allowing yourself to get into physical aerial duels with centre-backs. That that's the only way they want to play you. And yeah, Lukaku could be doing more. <laughs> but you do worry that this just might be a really awkward fit. I don't know. I can't there really There
1: is this. a thing, and I don't want to create a, a narrative that maybe doesn't exist, but there is such a thing that maybe Romelu Lukaku came into this thinking that it was going to be easier <laughs> than expected just because the success that he rejuvenated himself with Inter Milan, you know, it was such an aggressive system under Antonio Conte. I guess in a way he probably thought, I'm going to go to Chelsea. I'm a different player. I'm back at the Premier League. No problem. And it hasn't happened uh, due (laughs) to, yeah, go ahead.
2: But then have a bit of honesty about it, like Timo Werner. I've seen so many great interviews, and I've done interviews with Werner where mm. he's been so honest. Like he actually said, to, he said to my colleague the other day, and it breaks your heart. He's like, the Chelsea fans they support me so well; they seem to love me, and I don't do anything to deserve their love because I'm always messing it up. And like, oh what? Like, God. how can you not love a play like that? That's so but, you hard, know. Right? Yeah and with Fernando Torres it's the same like he was screwing things up and Chelsea fans were still behind him and Chelsea fans are willing to back Lukaku if we can see that he's he's you know trying or caring you know if he was to come out in an interview afterwards and say listen i you know this is frustrating for me as well right i wanted this to be better because yeah. at inter milan you know i was playing two up front it was working really well like do it in a way that, that endears yourself to the fans. Don't do it in a way that sounds petulant. Um, and I don't know, it's, it, it's really hard. I don't even know if Tuckle knows what is the answer because we've got so many different options up front. Um, and, you know, it's almost impossible to, to figure out. I mean, I was trying to pick the starting 11, I'd probably go Kai, Werner, Mason Mount as a front three. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's tricky to know, isn't it? Um, but yeah, it, we don't know our best 11 and that is a worry at this stage of the season.
1: It's a worry, but I think what's, uh, encouraging is the fact that you're in it in every facet of the way, right? The FA cup as well, the champions league, of course. So it, there, all it takes is that one game to completely change the rhythm and momentum. And with that, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we will talk about that. Chelsea and uh, overall the expectations for the remainder of the season and of course a little bit because this is a US podcast. Uh, Christian Pulisic, uh, wh- I would love to know what Ali and James think about Pulisic's situation uh because it is kind of split definitely here in the US. Gigola's or Chelsea State of the Union we'll be right back.
0: eBay Motors is here for the ride.
4: Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com odyssey podcast
1: welcome back everybody gig Ali Alibender James bench Chelsea State of the Union hey James I know that you're you're not really an NFL fan are you, you know are you gonna no. watch the Super Bowl
3: no, not even? I'm, nope. well, I watched it last year because it was on CBS, but I won't watch it this year because it's not.
1: <laughs> well, I'm so glad I'm about to do this plug then. Uh, Ali Bender, are you watching the Super Bowl? You're into the NFL not-
2: <laughs> <laughs> We're great guests, aren't we? Uh, what a I'm great
1: way it. for me to do this plug with Just two people that can... <laughs> <laughs> well anyway listen if you ever were into it the Pick six NFL podcast is your audio destination for the most comprehensive coverage of Super Bowl 56 featuring the Cincinnati Bengals and the LA Rams join Will Brinson and company each day as they cover the top storylines detail the X's and O's and share betting advice to make you money on Super Bowl Sunday and of course they will recap the game right after a new champion is crowned and by the way LA Around Stan Kroenke, James Bench. There's a connection there, right? Yeah. There you go. All right. So download and follow the Pick 6 NFL podcast for the best contest during the biggest week on the football calendar. That's American football calendar. All right. We're back. Diego Lasso, Alibander, James Bench, Chelsea State of the Union. We talked Lukaku. We talked Club World Cup. We talked uh, what's been going on with Chelsea so far. Let's get into Christian Pulisic. Okay, because he did get a little bit of a ignited fire in the international window. It did help him to be around his American teammates. Ali Bender, uh, I would love to know because James has interviewed him. He's covered him extensively for CBS. Uh, Let's talk about what you think of Pulisic and his role with Chelsea so far.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that he'll be disappointed that he's not playing more of a role, to be honest. And I actually think it's great for him that he's gone off and had a really successful window with his international teammates. And I think he must feel a lot more loved over there as well. It's not that he's not loved here. It's just so much that he's not had the opportunity or the chance to shine in the same way. I mean, he has had a bit of a stop-start time with, with um, injuries, obviously. It's never good. Um, but, you know, we all sort of thought that under Thomas Tuchel and, you know, he, he'd been so good in Germany that we kind of, I think we did expect a little bit more from him, but I'm not to to say that's not to come. I actually still think there's a lot to come and I think there's going to be a time that we're going to be very excited about um, Pulisic. He's He's not done himself any disservice, to be honest with you, in the same way like we're talking about Lukaku, but he just perhaps hasn't shone as much as maybe we were expecting him. I don't know if you agree with that.
3: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, but as exactly as you say, Alison, there was there've been moments, and like you know, go back to the post lockdown, end of nineteen twenty or whatever that season was, um, when he was you know one of the best players in the league, and if he'd been able to stay fit, Chelsea would have won the FA Cup final. But that's the point: is that he he can't quite stay fit, and there always seems to be something that that's stopping him from from getting that that run of games. And it was really interesting. In his press conference before the Plymouth game, you know Thomas Tuchel was talking about I'll need to check check with the doctor because he's gone from uh, zero degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. Was it Luis in in Minnesota? Yeah. To- it was
1: freezing. I mean, the big
3: Who argument
2: the players had um, hypothermia two in the game.
1: Two of them, two Ooh. Honduran players, had hypothermia and they couldn't play anymore. I mean, you know, the big argument here was obviously why why do that? And uh, Greg Berhalter was saying, well, we have to play in the humid weather of uh, Honduras. And, you know, everybody's like, well, Honduras doesn't have a choice. The entire <laughs> country is humid, right? You can't, you know, you could play this in L.A. or whatever. Regardless of that, back to the politics situation in the international window, it was very good for him to be around his teammates. However, he wasn't that great. He was pretty bad against El Salvador, and he wasn't that effective uh, against Canada. He only was good when he came off the bench against Honduras. So that even though maybe it was a good sense of energy for him and the uh with the national team, I'm I'm worried for Polisic that he's coming back and, and his momentum with Chelsea will not pick up itself again. Is he, it impacts up, James Bench? Is that the best that we can expect of him? Well
3: with maybe Chelsea? that but that hit that that is hit the wrong that where him. See him, that's he like he, see. Yeah. That's where he plays well for Chelsea. Yeah, right. he is his if he wants to make it at Chelsea realistically. If you think you've got your starting striker, Mason Mount, guaranteed, and then you've got players like Kai Havertz, he has to be a utility man. You know, he has to play right wing back, and I know he does not like doing that at all. But yeah. that's that's the kind of, that's the level he's at. He could yeah. go to a, any team just one step down and be a star, be a regular starter who makes really telling contributions. But he is at, and we'll come to talk about this, he's at a team that realistically can aspire to win Not the Premier League this season, but the Premier League in many seasons, and win the Champions League, and that means that great players like Pulisic are super subs are. And and when
2: you look at his, um, I don't know. Sometimes I think I try and read too much into body language, but I do think it's important. I think you see, you pick up on those things, and you do get the feeling that he feels that he deserves more perhaps, um, you know, when you you see how he's kind of looking. And it's it's interesting, as you say, about, you know, overall, perhaps he had a bad international break, but it's funny how the headlines just kind of talk about that goal and everyone's like, you know, all the Chelsea following are like, yeah, Pulisic scored, he's had a great uh, international break. So in a funny kind of way, maybe some of that negativity, although it will affect him personally, um, it hasn't kind of come back here in, in quite the same fashion. But, yeah, it'll be interesting. Oh, my God, James Bench.
1: What are you calling him? What did you say in your private chat? He's who?
3: I mean, maybe people here aren't aware of this, but he was referred to in, I believe, an episode of Storage Hunters. That's true. Or Porn Shop or something. It's kind of like anti-growth
1: show kind of like equivalent. And the the presenter was trying to sell a frame picture of Christian Pulisic. And the correct description was James Bench.
3: He's the LeBron James of soccer.
4: (laughs) Wow. (laughs)
1: wow oh my god i love it i love it i love this uh intercontinental mishap especially with Polisic. all right well listen we we're nearly done here we wanted to end um i i mean it could be on a good note i guess optimism is always the best way to go just chelsea and 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 these two guys their predictions for the remainder of the season there's Lille next in the champions league that's not gonna be easy And Luton next uh, in in the FA Cup. That, you know, I don't know, could be easy. And also, of course, trying to maintain um, a Premier League champ of top four spot because I think Ali Bender, like, it's Liverpool Man City for the title, right? There's no way.
2: Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a crazy season. Weird things are happening, like COVID suddenly knocking out half a squad. But when you look at... You know teams like Manchester City who've got like so much strength and depth. I just I just don't see. Um, but it's funny how we can still say we're fighting on four fronts because of the Club World Cup. So it's kind of nice. It sounds good. Um, I actually true. think Lille. I mean, you say it's not going to be easy, and again, I don't I don't want to say um, that they're a pushover at all. But I know that we did that that draw twice, didn't we? Got Lille twice, and right. we were definitely <laughs> delighted with that draw because it could have been a lot harder. So I'm delighted about that. Um, and I I also think um, I did an interview a few weeks back with. Um, Tuchel actually and he was so brilliant by the way there's something else he said that I loved he said that the first thing he did when he walked into his office is he saw Azpilicueta smiling and he literally looked at him and went if you're my captain we're going to be fine he just said he had this like infectious smile which I loved but he was saying how he's um he's got this bit of a kind of um superstition now about the Champions League because having won it with Chelsea already and and um I don't know. I just I have a funny feeling that we might do really well in the Champions League. Well, he season. knows Lille,
1: right? Obviously from his PSG days as well. So he understands the the opposition. Ben, what knowledge. do you make of them in in the Champions League? Uh, maybe not even just Lille, but just uh, go, could they do it again?
3: Oh, absolutely they could. Like because, you know, as Ali was saying, there is the there has been that defense. There's been a a system that we've seen where Chelsea, let's not forget, they pretty much swept the Champions League. There was no tie last season where they were really kind of under pressure for a long period they are absolutely in that clutch of four five six teams that Mm. could win could win it you know it it needs a bit of luck to break their way it needs marcus alonso to have some really good games at left wing back but you can you can put out a team there that can beat anyone in europe over two legs and and you know that and a cup i think they'll be pretty fine for top four that's still a really good season i think they started so well and we're in such a good position just a few months ago that we kind of and we want we we want more teams in the title race but at the start yeah. of the season no one thought chelsea were more than dark horses realistically
2: I'm sad we couldn't go a bit further, I have to say. Given the start that we had, I think it's a real wasted opportunity. And I have to say, I do blame – I mean, I know every single team have got their problems with COVID, and we had a horrific time with COVID. We had a terrible time with injuries. And not only – you know, the fact that when Reese James was injured, everyone else kind of fell apart because it was – when something is so finely tuned and works so well like something like that can really put everything else out and we've really seen it with that defense of Chelsea so I do feel it's a real shame but I also think that perhaps we can go you know further in say the FA Cup I mean we went all the way and, and lost to Leicester in the end um, last season but what we've got next Luton Town yeah um and then Leal in the Champions League so yeah I still feel it's a positive season
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And remember, all those uh, points were points dropped from uh, draws. They weren't from losses. So it's really just about picking up that offensive mindset. All right, we're going to wrap Chelsea State of the Union with uh, Ali Bender and James Bench before we say goodbye. Two very quick questions. All right, it's the summer. You can have anybody you want. Okay, I think I know the answer to this just because of how we began the episode. But who do you want, Ali Bender?
2: Harland, in. Haaland in I didn't even have a Bama Yang to be honest. I'd have it. We just, we just need a decent striker. No, I, I take that back. I don't want a Bama Yang. I want Harland.
1: Yeah, come on now. That's a little. And
2: Declan ding. Rice, obviously, but what can I have two? Bench. Who do you think
1: Chelsea needs in the summer? Oh,
3: I don't know that right. they necessarily need anyone, but maybe. I mean, they'll need some great centre backs. Wesley Fofana, maybe, or Declan yeah. Rice. If you could, you could turn him into that centre back, or you know, switch to three, but. Yeah, go on. Fafana. I really like the idea of them going out and getting him. I think that would be great. I like for
1: them. it. I like it. And the last question before we say well, very, very quickly thoughts, Ali Bender and Frank Lampard now managing Everton. They're facing each other in April. I don't know if things will be tied by then. We don't know. But, you know, it's funny because obviously, Villa fan over here, Stephen Jarrett, from the most part, Liverpool fans are very happy about it. They kind of like the idea of one of their, you know, legends being a manager. What do you what do you make of it? Lampard. I love I mean. it. Look
2: at my face. I can't stop smiling. I just yeah. Do you know what? I love that gang, that whole he has taken with him a really great team. He's got Ashley Cole with him, who I think a lot of people don't right. give him the credit credit he deserves. He's got Joe Edwards, who's been absolute 27 years at Chelsea. He is responsible for all these amazing youth products that you see thriving, right? Um, Paul Clement as well. He was at Paris Saint-Germain and Real Madrid with Ancelotti. He's not no, a bad manager staff, yeah. if Ancelotti wants him as his number two. So this whole team of individuals, um, you know, I, I just think I think they'll do great things at Everton. You saw them already in the FA Cup against Brentford. I, I expect them to to really take them up the table. To be honest, that team.
3: I like it. Hard one to read. I really I, I hope he's a, a great success because I think the Premier League is worse without Everton in it. But maybe this is the moment where we and I think where, where Lampard will learn a lot about management. You know, yeah. it, it, he did amazing work for the long term at Chelsea, but Chelsea aren't a long term club. Now we get to see what he can do in the short term. And then if he's successful, kind of rebuild Everton it's a, such a tough job though such a tough job though. they've got
2: some great players now though like in, Van der Beek and Ali if he can get the best out of them as well I just feel like they've never played as a, a unit as a team Everton mm. and I've already seen that I had an interview the other day with Alan and he was just saying that Lampard's only been there one week but it feels like weeks because he's changed so much already he's playing three at the back That the way that he's kind of implementing his way so quickly I, I know it's going to be hard and Lampard's going to have some tough times but I do not see Everton going down
1: you heard it here. No, I, I agree <laughs> with you. Uh, but there's always a—it's always a great thing to take over after a bad season of Rafa Benitez, because right? every player in that team is just like, just give me somebody that I can talk yeah. to. Uh, by the way, uh, football manager back when I was at uni, Lampard was a manager. Wayne Rooney was a manager. Jared was a manager and now it's coming to life. Uh, you know, it makes me feel really old, Alibander. Unfortunately. It
2: does, doesn't it? Do you know, I was thinking that today when it was interviewing John Terry, it's so crazy. I look around the premier league and these are all the, the first players that I interviewed, you know, crazy. and it's just, yeah, it's nuts, but it's really nice to see them all doing well. I, I love seeing Steven Gerald at Villa. I think he's doing a great job. He's a really serious guy as well. Like yes, yeah. I think a lot of people can say, They're a soft touch because they're a player. But actually, if you read some of Lampard's rules about, you know, the fines that he imposes when they're late for training and that kind of thing, you know, there's no messing around. And Lampard was one of those players who used to go out onto the pitch doing extra after training sessions. And he will demand that of every single one of those players. And and I think they need to. They need to show some fight.
1: Perfectly said, Ali Bender. uh, Thank you so much. For being here. By the way, you heard it here first. Uh, Ali Bender TV, right, Ali? Is that where yep. we can find you? All Correct. over. And by the way, your TikTok channel is I love it. crazy. How many followers now?
2: I'm about 150 something, 150,000. But um, I got John Terry to do a dance today and it was so <laughs> bad. I, I got him to do the the one with the head like that yeah and we were all out of time it was terrible but i'm going to be posting that later <laughs> see if we can go viral
1: unbelievable stuff ali Bender. always a pleasure to have you on our very own james bench james you don't have a tech dog do you
3: god no no one would want me to see that <laughs> <laughs> managing Jay- my passive aggressive twitter is is too much work for me yeah
1: that
2: that is true james are you bench? On twitter james i want to follow
3: you At james bench
2: easy
1: enough Great. Easy enough. At James Bench, our correspondent here at CBS Sports. Make sure you follow all his content. And Ali Bender TV, always a pleasure to have you. Ali, uh, let's put on some MM after this. Thank you so much for being here. Ali, thank you so much.
2: I'll go and spin on my head. Cheers. <laughs> James
1: Bench, I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Make sure to follow Kelo Lasso Pod on Twitter, YouTube.com forward slash Lasso. We're almost to ten thousand subscribers on YouTube. Thank you so much, and of course, anywhere you listen to your pod, we'll see you next time. Have a great, great day.